Ann Douglas Vaughn tells the story uh, when she was just a little girl. It's been several years ago, but she was just a small girl, and she was walking home from school one day, and she found a, a wallet uh, on the, the ground, and, and she picked it up and, and uh, did what you would do if you found a wallet, and you open it up if there's any money in it. That's the first thing you do, but she opened it up, there was no money in it, but but she knew she had to to return the wallet, and she wouldn't have taken the money, by the way, but but she took the wallet home and told her mom and dad, and, 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 and they began to look in the wallet, and then there they found some identification with the name of the person that it belonged to, and actually had an address and a phone number. So they called the number a couple times, and no one answered, and they called a few more times later in the afternoon, and no one called, and finally, uh, finally later in their day, her, her dad said, well, I'll drive you. Since they had that, I'll drive you over there to see. Now, now Anne was was uh, was getting excited because even as a small girl, she understood how this worked. Since she had found this guy's wallet, when she returned it, he was going to give her a reward. Now, now she didn't know how much, but she assumed, and, and back then it would have been uh, considered a, a sizable amount of money for a little girl, but she was thinking, I'll get, I'll get $5. Maybe if I'm really, really, really lucky, I'll get $10. So, so she was excited and had already began to think about what she was going to do with that money. She was going to buy a doll and she was going to buy some hair ribbons and, and, and uh, if there was enough money left over, if they gave her enough, then she was going to buy some candy and she might even share some with her little brother. But so, so she was thrilled. And so as they drove over to, to the people's house, they, they pulled up and when they did, they, they realized and she realized that it was some military housing. And as they walked up to the house, the screen door was kind of torn and, and it looked a little bit rough. And, and as they walked up, she noticed that her dad had reached for his wallet. Her, her mind still was racing. Okay, I'm going to get this doll and I'm going to, I'm going to get these ribbons and I love Snickers. I'm going to get a Snickers and I'm going to get, uh, but, but she noticed even while that was played in her mind, she noticed that her dad reached in his wallet and took out three $20 bills and put in that wallet. Even as a small girl, she realized what that meant for her. That that meant there would be no reward. But she said it took her a while to realize, but she actually did get a reward that day. The reward that she got that day was seeing who her father was, seeing his kindness and his compassion seeing his faith that guided his life demonstrated and seeing that faith shine out brilliantly as she got to witness who her dad really was. Uh, in Exodus chapter 30, uh, chapter 33, we've been talking about that the last couple of weeks, we see that God, or that Moses cried out to God and, and in essence what he said was, I can't do this myself. God, will you send Someone else. Now, now the reality was God was, or Moses was setting his light, his sights way too low. He was wanting God to send him someone else, someone comparable to his brother Aaron. Hopefully, comparable, hopefully better, hopefully more reliable, hopefully someone that had a more, little more uh, uh, fortitude than his brother. But basically he was saying, God, send me someone. And, and God's answer to him, we see it in Chapter 33, verse 17 was basically, I'll answer your cry, I'll give you our, our, your request. Verse 17 of 33, the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you've asked, because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. 
what God was saying to Moses, he didn't quite understand it yet, and we'll, we'll see that today. What he was saying was, to Moses was, I'll be there. Uh, when, when you're leading these Israelites, I know it's tough, but I'll be there. When you're frustrated, I'll be there. When you're afraid, I'll be there. When you're doubting your call, I'll be there. When you're doubting yourself, I'll be there. And really what he was saying, Moses, when you're doubting me, I will be there. Um, now, now let's point something out here. Let's make an application. Uh, maybe you're not Moses. In fact, you're not. Uh, Moses led a nation uh, to the promised land. I don't know if any of you are going to be doing that. Let me know if you do, and I'll, uh, you know, I'll follow you. But I don't know that any of us are going to be leaders like Moses. But God has called us to be leaders. He's called us, and, and this, in fact, this is what Jesus said about us. He said that we're to be light, uh, and and people are, are to see uh, our light so so much so that they give praise to God. We're to be salt. In other words, we're supposed to. We're supposed to affect change in our culture by the way that we live. Another place in Scripture in the New Testament, it calls us and and says that we are His ambassadors. We are literally the ones that represent God. We represent God to His Word. We may not be Moses, but and we may not be called to be a a leader of a nation, but our responsibility is of of greater, I think, responsibility than that of Moses. Our calling is of greater importance than even that of, of Moses. So remember when, just like Moses, he's, we might say, I, I can't do it myself. When we might say, Lord, this is tough. Or Lord, I'm doubting, I'm doubting my call. I'm doubting who I am. Maybe I'm doubting you. Just remember what God said to Moses. He says to us as well, I'll be there. So Moses was asking God for help. God, show me your glory. I, I, I need to see you. And, and, and what he really was saying, God, give me someone, send me someone. Uh, and God was saying, I'll be that help. Uh, I will show you my radiance. And, and then we know from that text that, that then that radiance rubbed off on Moses. Now, we don't have time to, uh, if you've not been here the last couple weeks, to go through that whole, the whole thing that we've been talking about. And, but in Exodus chapter 33 and 34, and I would encourage you to be reading that if you haven't been. We see what God did. God placed Moses in the cleft of the rock. He covered him with his, with his hand and his glory passed by him and his goodness passed by him. And it was so, it was so powerful. It was so impressive that, that literally Moses' face became radiant. If, if you look at chapter 34 verses 29 to 35, the last section of chapter 34, it tells us that, that Moses came to that mountain. His face was glowing. So this morning, let's step, step just a little bit deeper into this story, and and let's see what Moses really saw, and really what he saw was the heart of God, uh, radiant or radiance. It really is who God is. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to to Exodus chapter thirty four. We're going to read just the first seven verses, uh, but but keep your Bibles open. We'll jog back a, a couple other verses that I want you to to note that you might want to underline in your Bibles. But chapter 34, 1 to 7, the Lord said to Moses, verse 1, chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones, and I will write on them the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. Be ready in the morning, and then come up on Mount Sinai. Present yourself to me there on top of the mountain. No one is to come with you or to be seen anywhere on the mountain. Not even the flocks and the herds may grace in the 
graves in the foot of the mountain. So Moses chiseled out the two stone tablets like the first ones and went up to Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him and he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Now, now, now catch this. This is what happened then. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, or another way you could interpret that, thousands of generations, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of their father to the third and even the fourth generation. We're going to look this morning at, at three examples or three things that we see in this text that where, where God shows who he really is. Sometimes we, sometimes in our walk, we struggle to know who really is God. Who is, who's God? Yeah, I, I would encourage you to underline these verses because it, it gives us an example of who he, who he is. Here's, here's the first thing we see. We see that God is the God of second chances. God is the God of second chances. Now, now, I'm gonna, now this is a tough question, so I'm going to be really impressed if anyone gets this exactly right. Some of you are going to have the right answer, kind of, but it won't be exactly the right answer, I'm afraid. But, but let me ask, did, when I read that text, if you want to glance down there in chapter 34, the first seven verses real quick, there is an example there. There, it, it, to me, it just, it, 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 it's radiant. It just glares out. Now, I didn't catch it the first time. I didn't catch it the first several times I, I read this passage over the last couple months. But, but when I saw it, it's like, wow, that is there. There's an example of, of God being the God of a second chance. So here's the chance to impress me. Did, did anyone catch that? Did, did anyone see where in those verses it shows him as the God of the second chance? Anyone? Come on, come on. Okay, that's got one. Well, the second set of tablets. Man, I am impressed. I am impressed. Chad, I bow to you. Um, See, I thought, and you would have been right if you said this. See, see, I thought you would have said, well, he forgives us. Because later on it says, you know, forgives rebellion and, and, uh, and sin and wickedness. So, which is right. But, but what we see there is that God is the second, is the God of the second chance. Look, uh, flip back just a couple chapters to chapter 32, uh, 32, uh, verse, uh, verse 16. The tablets were the work of God. The writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. Uh, well, in fact, let, let's go back a little bit more in chapter 31, verse 18. When the Lord finished speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him the two tablets of the testimony, the tablets of, of stone inscribed by the finger of God. So, so what we see here is the first time that Moses went up on the mountain, God and I'll point out a difference there. God gave him the tablets that had already been inscribed. That verse says by God's finger. God had, God had written. Now, I don't know how he did. I don't know if Moses got to see that happen or not, but somehow by the very finger of God, he had written. And we know from later on, it says that basically the Ten Commandments were on there. Uh, we see them in courthouses, so we know that's what was on there. Um, it, it, it inscribed on that 
him himself. But but notice the mistake, and Chad caught it. So thank you, Chad. Look in chapter thirty-two, verse nineteen. When Moses approached the camp, God had, God had told Moses when he was up there, hey, the Israelites are rebelling against me, you need to go down the mountain. When he approached the camp and saw the calf, the golden calf that they made, and the dancing, his anger burned, and he threw the tablets out of his hand, breaking them to pieces at the foot of the mountain. Moses, uh, Moses took what was holy. Moses took what was reverent. Moses took what was what should have been cherished. He took what was consecrated. He took the tablets that that had been written written by the hand of God. Now, now don't misunderstand. Moses wasn't up there with a the hammer and chisel, chiseling chiseling out the commandments on there. He wasn't sitting there. Thou shalt not uh, have any other gods before you uh, honor your. Moses didn't do that. It was God that had inscribed them. But the text tells us that Moses became angry and in his anger he threw the tablets down. Now I want to point out, I'm going to at least suggest to you that Moses' anger wasn't necessarily the same as God's anger. If you read earlier in the chapter, God got upset with, with Israel. In fact, God was God, God had said, you know what, I'm just going to wipe them out and I'm going to start over. And, and Moses actually went to the defense of these people uh, and said, you know, convince God or, or at least spoke up for their behalf and God didn't do this. But but I believe that Moses Moses saw the people and his anger wasn't wasn't the anger of God. He he didn't get upset thinking you guys are disobeying God. His anger righteous indignation wasn't because man God said not to build a calf golden calf and you did it. Man, I am upset because you've let God down. I don't think his anger was because he was upset that they had let God down. He was angry because they had let him down. Now, I, I see that in a couple places. Chapter 33, verse 13. Remember what he said? Remember that this nation is your people. He's kind of reminding God uh, in, in that moment of doubt. And we talked about that last week, that Moses had doubts there. Uh, in that moment of doubt, he said, well, these are your people, God. Uh, and, and so I, I think that kind of shows us that Moses was upset that they had let him down. Uh, the, the second proof there is by the, his very act. By taking the tablets, what God had given him, and, and with so little thought, tossing them down. Now, he hadn't picked these tablets up. You know, they weren't a cheap souvenir from the gift shop on Mount Sinai. You know, I hadn't, you know, I hadn't paid 10 bucks for these babies. God, God had created them himself. And I think it, I think it shows you that Moses' anger and I'm not saying he shouldn't have been angry. I, I'd have been, I'd have been discouraged. I'd have been disappointed. I, I understand that. But his anger wasn't because God was disappointed, because God had been, been wrong. He was angry because these people had let him down. Church, uh, and I guess that's why I'm bringing this up, this mistake. Far too often, I think we have the attitude of Moses. Far too often things happen, and instead of us being upset that, man, someone has turned against God, or, or, or something happens, and instead of us holding in, in a place of reverence what God has done, we get upset ourselves, and we throw the tablets down. Let me, let me illustrate this way. This way, I heard 
heard recently of a church that I'm familiar with that had an elder that had served as an elder for, for many years at this church and actually done a good job as elder in, in a lot of ways. But, but an election came, uh, you know, nominations were made and he was uh, put up for elder again. And, and for whatever reason, he, he was voted down. Uh, he didn't get enough votes to be, to, to retain his, uh, his, his role as elder. Um, I'll be honest, that, that's always when we had church elections, that's always one of my greatest fears is someone to get voted down and you've got to try to deal with that. And, but this happened and, and you don't know what this guy did. He, that, that afternoon, that Sunday afternoon, he went over to the church and he took everything of his out of the church. Some things that he had donated to the church, he took those. Everything, and he's never set foot in that church again. Now, now, now I understand him being hurt. I really do. I understand that pain. I, I under, I understand him being upset and, and quite often we just kind of toss this out there as well. I, I realize there's, sometimes there's times that we need to leave a church. There's times that, that, that maybe the best thing is for us to step away from a, a, a fellowship. I, I realize that, that, that sometimes happens. But what would the testimony have been? What would have happened if the next Sunday, uh, everyone showed up to church and that guy was there and he, and he continued to love on people like he'd done the Sunday before. Uh, it's been two or three years ago, a friend of mine, Rick Cole, who I served on the elder board at Central Christian Church with Rick. Uh, uh, when, when the senior pastor at, at Central left, Rick applied for the job. Uh, he had years ago served as a youth minister at that church, and then he went on to campus ministry in South Dakota before moving back to St. Joe. And, and so Rick applied for the job and, and was interviewed for the job, and partway through the process, they decided that they, they weren't going to go his direction, and they, you know, they, they politely told him, okay, well, thank you, Rick, but we're not interested. But, but you know what he did? The very next Sunday, he, he was up on the stage playing the bass guitar in the worship band. And the very next Sunday, Rick was in the Sunday school class that I taught, and, and he was there smiling and hugging people and loving on people. The very next Sunday, he was back in church being the man that he was. Before. What, was he disappointed? Yes. Was he hurt? Yes. But, but what a testimony that, that, that he didn't take what was sacred and just toss it, just toss it down. What would have happened had Moses walked into the camp with those stones? What if he hadn't gotten mad for himself? I, I, I don't know. We can only speculate. I, I just have a feeling that he would have walked in as, and we know the text says that the people were dancing and singing and there was revelry going on. What, what if he had just walked in with these tablets? I imagine as each person began to see him, it slowly would ripple over the crowd and they would stop dancing and they would stop singing and they'd stop making noise. Well, I, I can't, maybe he would have walked up to the golden calf and just held, held those tablets there. You want to walk, worship this? Well, I have this written by God. I, I don't know what would have happened, but we know he got upset. So that was his mistake. But, but here's the second chance. God still put him on mission. He, you know, God could have, God could have said, Moses, I gave you stones inscribed by me and you threw them down. But instead he, he gave him a second chance. Now, now I do want you to notice that there's some, there's a little bit of a consequence there. Chapter 34, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, you could have easily missed this, but because this is not how it happened the first time. The Lord said to Moses, chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones. The first ones, Moses didn't have to do anything. God 
handed him the the the, the uh, tablets inscribed by him. Moses didn't have to chisel out. The second time, Moses had to chisel out his own tablets. They're they're oftentimes with a second chance comes responsibility. I shouldn't say oftentimes. There always is responsibility on on our behalf. In John chapter eight, Jesus told the woman caught in adultery that he didn't condemn her, but he did say, "Now go and sin no more." Nicodemus came to him at night and questioned Jesus. What Jesus said to him, Nicodemus, you have to be born again. A paralytic was dropped through the roof. We studied about this in Kicks this Wednesday. Uh, what Jesus said after he forgave his sins, he, he said, stand up and take your, your mat uh, and go home. Peter, Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times. But he also told Peter, when you come back, Peter, when you repent of that, you're going to have to give power to the others. You're going to have to lead the others. The the mission comes with, the second chance comes with responsibility, but it also comes with acceptance. Moses was reinstated to exactly where he had been before. God took him to the mountain. God inscribed the stones. And these times Moses had chiseled them himself, but God inscribed the stones the same way that he had done before. So we see that God is the God of the second chance. Now, now I want you to see this as well. This is kind of an important thing. The next step, we see God is the God of stated compassion. Let me let me read verses 5 and 6 just to kind of refresh your, your thinking there with what he said. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him, that, that's Moses, and proclaimed to him. So he spoke to him. He proclaimed to him the Lord. And passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, "The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate, the gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and and faithfulness." What Moses probably expected was that God would reveal His power. I, I think that's what Moses, when God said, "Okay, I'm going to put you on the rock in this cleft, I'm going to cover you with my hand." I think what Moses expected was that God was going to show him His power. Now, now the, the reality is Moses had already seen that, it, and, and he knew that his power was real. When, when, uh, when, when he had, had watched what God had done in the past, his was, was real, and it was also when, when he did the plagues in Egypt. I mean, that power was real, and it was revealed to him. When he stretched out his, his staff over the Red Sea in a park, that was real, and God revealed his power when... When, when he led him by a clouded day and a, a pillar of fire at night, when he gave him manna, when, when there was lightning and thunder and a cloud over the Mount Sinai, when he saw him, or, or at least was given the tablets, God, Moses had seen God and had seen his power. Human nature tells us, or at least tells me, that Moses was, was expecting God to show him his power. I don't know what, I don't know what he thought. I, but I have a feeling he thought Moses, God was going to put him in that rock and then Moses was going to say something like, or God was going to say something like this. Now watch this, Moses. And God was going to point his finger at a, a, a tree and was going to, going to point at it and a lightning bolt would come out and that tree would just burst into flames. Moses actually already seen that one other time when had the burning bush earlier on in, in, in Genesis. And, and, and maybe, maybe another time God was going to take his other hand and he was going to, a lightning bolt would come out and it would hit a boulder and that boulder would just explode. Into, into little pebbles, or, or, or maybe you thought God was just gonna, gonna do something like this, and, and a boulder would suddenly start appearing and growing into a mountain, a mountain that was even taller than Mount Sinai, and Moses would just be impressed, like, wow, God can take a boulder 
and turn it into a mound. That is impressive. Or, or maybe thought God would do something like this and suddenly a big storm would come up and gale force winds and the wind would blow stronger than Moses had ever seen and snow would come down. And it, it was just ridiculous how powerful the storm was and then suddenly God would do this and the storm would cease and the birds would be chirping, the grass would be turning green again, flowers blooming. I, I have a feeling that Moses was expecting to see God's God reveal himself in in power. And and if we're honest, if we're honest here this morning, I think that maybe we think that way oftentimes ourselves. When when we find ourselves where Moses was, remember I, I pointed that out last week, Moses was doubting himself, he was discouraged. He didn't know where to go. God, send me someone to help me. When we find ourselves, and we do all the time, when we find ourselves there, I wonder I wonder if when we know that God's going to reveal himself to us, that we just assume he's going to reveal himself to us in power. We know that he has. We, we've seen it before. Moses said, show me your power Show, show me your glory, and what he probably meant was show me your power. I think Moses was surprised when God showed up, but he didn't show up the way he expected. Now let me let me point this out. I, I think far too often, I'll speak for myself, so maybe that doesn't include include you. Far too often, I think like Moses. When I get frustrated or I get discouraged or I feel like a failure and, and I expect God to show up, I expect him to show up in power. He, he states his compassion. We see that. But what happens here is that, that he doesn't show up in power. Instead, we see his person. We, he shows up and shows him who he really was. Now, now it started off by he by him actually stating it. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm the compassionate, gracious God, slow to anger, bounty love. If you go up on chapter 33, he said what he was going to say. I will have mercy uh, on who will I have mercy. I have compassion on who I have compassion. Moses was expecting him to show up in power. I I expect that that, that God's going to show up sometime in power. The, the truth is the gift that God gave Moses is the same gift that he gave us. For Moses, he showed up not demonstrating his power, but he showed up and showed who he was. He stated his compassion. For us, Jesus hung on a cross, and Jesus then demonstrated who he was. See, it was stated, but it was also shown. We, we know from the end of chapter 34, when Moses came down and his face was 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 shining, the, the brilliance of of God's compassion, of his shown compassion to Moses, made, made, uh, made his face radiant. For us, for us, we see it on the cross. We, we come to places in our life. I come to places, I've come to places in my life when I say, God, show up. And I'm afraid I'm oftentimes asking God, God, show me your power. Take, Take this problem away. Straighten out my path. Make everything okay. Uh, almost, uh, 
almost nine years ago, eight and a half years ago, when I when I left the church, my ministry at Rushville. Uh, I've stated before there may be some here that don't don't know my story, but I left because of my own my own shortcomings, my own sin. I struggled with pornography, and 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 because of that, I resigned from that position. And I'll be honest, I, I, I'll be honest, I, I was broken, and I was discouraged, and. And my prayers were a little bit like Moses. I was saying, God, I need you to show up. And really what I was saying is, God, I need you to send someone. I don't know what I was expecting, but I was wanting God to somehow show up and, and hold my hand. I wanted God to send someone that would take away my, my disappointment in myself and my discouragement and my heartache and my brokenness. God, Really, what I wanted God to just fix it all, and 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 so it wasn't there. That's really what I was saying. God, God, show me your power is what I was praying. And what God was saying to me, what I finally figured out, what He said was, "Well, well, how about instead I show you my glory? Because what you really need is forgiveness. What you really need to know is that you're covered by my grace. Even your sin is covered by my grace. What you really need to know, Tim, is that I am there." I wanted God to do something miraculous, but instead, he showed me who he was. Now, he did that in some unique ways. One of the ways he showed me that was he gave me a wife that said, Tim, I love you, and I don't care what you've done, I forgive you. And he gave me four children that said, Dad, we we love you, and we forgive you, and we're still proud of you. And he gave me friends that rallied beside me and said, Tim, we're not happy with that. I'm sorry that you're going through this. I'm sorry you made that mistake and let that sin get a hold of you. But you know what? We love you and we forgive you. God wanted to show up. I wanted to show up in power. And instead he showed up by showing who he really is. See, he wants to teach us that when we're weak, he's strong. When we sin, he forgives. When we hurt, he helps. When when we feel like a failure, he's sufficient. When we feel like we can't go on, he says, I'm here. Let me show you who I am. Moses, Moses wanted God to show up in power, but instead, God showed him who he was. God showed him who he was. And, and the last thing, we'll, we'll just go quick here. The, the last thing he shows, the last thing we see there uh, about who God is, is that, that God uh, is the God of sin canceled. Did, did you catch what he said there? Uh, let me just uh, start with verse 6 again. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, Sin, that kind of covers all, every type of sin there, there could be. Wickedness, rebellion, sin. Yet, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth gen- generations. Let me point out just two quick things there. First of all, he's the God of sin canceled, but there is a warning in that text. Did you catch it? Did you see that warning in verse 7? That he will visit He will visit uh, the, the sin of the father on generations to come, the third and even the fourth. Now, now you can take and, and, and see that how you want. Now, the, the way I understand that, the way I interpret that, is that if we don't repent of sin, if we don't make a change in our life, then, then, then what comes from our sin will be visited on our generations third and fourth down 
down the way. If you struggle with alcoholism and, and you do nothing about it, there's a good chance your kids are going to struggle and, and, and your grandkids and maybe even your great-grandkids. In, in my case, I had a father that struggled with pornography and I struggled. And, and when everything came out, I found out that I had three sons that struggled. And I remember the words of my oldest son, Brian, when, when we were talking. He said, Dad, maybe this puts an end to it. Because I had a brother and a nephew that struggled as well. Maybe this is the time in our family that we stand up and say no more. That we put a light of God's love and forgiveness on this and stop it. If you don't, there's a warning. It's going to keep happening and happening and happening. I don't care what your sin is. If you don't accept his forgiveness, if you don't let his radiance come into your life and deal with that sin, it will visit the next and the next and the next and the next generation. But but don't get lost. Don't get discouraged in the warning. See the witness there. What did he say? When, when God speaks of who he is, and this is why I want you to underline these verses when you're, when you're trying to figure out, what well, God, who are you? He's compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. That's who God is. There's a doctor, he's a plastic surgeon named Maxwell Maltz. We'll, we'll conclude with this. Um, Maltz uh, t- tells the story of one one young lady that came to visit him, she was in her mid, mid-20s, mid and she came to visit him to, to talk about having some plastic surgery done. And when he, uh, she stepped into his office, she noticed, he noticed exactly, immediately what, what needed to be done. She had been in a car accident when she was a small child, and she had a, an ugly gash on one cheek uh, of her face. I mean, it was just, when you saw her, that's where your eyes were drawn to that, of course. And, and as, as he looked at her, I, he began to think how, how difficult that must have been for this young girl. It's, she was growing up every time she looked in the mirror, every time she combed her hair, every time she put makeup on. She had to, to notice that. And obviously, she had to notice that other people noticed that. So and that's why she had come to him to, to do something. And, and so he reassured her, ma'am, we, I can take care of that. I can fix that problem. So a few weeks later, a date was set for the plastic surgery. She showed up, and he did the surgery. And, 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 and a couple weeks after the surgery, she came back to have the bandages removed. And, and, and as he took the bandages off, he looked at it, and, and he began to smile because he thought, man, I did a good job. The, the, you can't see the scar. It's gone. You can see a little bit of redness from the surgery, but the, the scar is gone. She is going to be so happy. But he noticed as he looked at her, as she looked in the mirror at herself, that the, there wasn't the, the response that normally happens. Normally people are like overjoyed, and their, their eyes light up, and their smile comes across their face, but... She just sat there and kind of looked in the mirror and, and finally said, well, what, what do you think? Do you like it? She said, well, I, I really don't see any improvement. Malt said, I was stunned. He said, well, do you, do you want to see a picture of before? And he took out of her file the picture they had taken in the office and, and, he, and he held it up so she could see the before and the after. She looked at one and then looked at the mirror. She said, well, yeah, I guess I can see it's better. But I, but I don't feel better. Maltz says his practice changed that day. As a believer, he completely refocused what he was doing 
to try to start looking deeper, to see past the physical scars, to start seeing what was really going on in people's hearts, to look deeper to see what was happening. Moses was hurting. Man, he was struggling, and I, I understand. I understand his frustration. You know, I understand his anger in throwing down the tablets. I really do. I probably would have done the same thing. And I know some, some of you would have as well. I understand that. He was hurting. Gosh, God, I'm trying to do this, and, and I, I'm failing. These people don't listen to me. They don't listen to you. I... And God said, Moses, I'll be there. And to prove it, let me show you who I really am. Would you bow with me? Father, this morning we're, we're here, and, and, and I'm, I imagine there's some hurting hearts here today. There's some that feel like failures. There's some that feel like, like even though on the outside they look fine, inside there's darkness and there's hurt and there's disappointment and dejection. Father, I know we all come to those places where we don't know where to turn, and we, we cry out to you to show up. And Father, you're, you tell us you've always been there. You're, you're there all the time. Father, we grow through our pain. We grow through our discouragements when you show us your compassion and your heart. Father, for those that are hurting here today, let them see your glory. Let them see who you are so that you can change them. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here today and you, you're like Moses, you're here today and you're like I've been several times in my life and you're hurting and you don't know where to go. And you're, you've been praying God show up in a powerful way, just take all this away. You don't know what to do. Let me invite you to show up and see who he really is. Show up to see his compassion and his mercy, his abounding love and his grace. Would you stand?